Welcome to Chaotica, land of chaos, a space designed to embrace dissent, discord and disruption, where ambiguity and uncertainty are welcome, and imagination is the prevailing state of mind. Our aim is to explore the future of human experience as we dive into the virtual age. We seek the interesting and reject the similar. The only constant is to question everything. The following is a conversation with Wojtek, a friend and founder of Masary. Masary is a platform to hire using Web3 credentials. They aggregate data from all over the internet to give you the best hiring experience possible. Web3 credentials are proof of reputation that are basically NFTs or soulbound tokens that are related to your Ethereum address. They can be college degrees, they can be online courses certificates, or just a proof that you actually did the work that you say you did. One thing I wanted to talk about today is uh, identity, which is the first topic. I uh, saw on your website that you write very clearly your ETH address is your digital identity. It is. What does that mean? It's, uh, it's your full identity. So um, we're building Mazuri with this vision that we have a new way of, authenticate yourself, of, of authenticating yourself on the internet. Um, and yeah, you know, where can we start? So um, our lives on the internet, uh, you know, right now are very scattered between different places. And mm -hmm. usually they're very much owned by one single, you know, uh, identity provider, whether that is Facebook, Google, um, you know, Amazon, um, or, or any centralized or like, you know, Web2 provider like that. Um, and with... With uh, Ethereum or like any blockchain wallets, we have now this opportunity to authenticate yourself only, you know, by a fact that you know your private key, you know, you know your mathematical uh, formula for authenticating yourself. You know, it's very nicely abstracted in the UX, and you have you can use this this one login across all other websites. And then you have like parts of this with blockchains, with like you know daytime immutability or like with open APIs. Right. Um, I would love to talk about, you know, in a moment as well. But yeah, in general, um, I'm, I'm really excited about this uh, uh, this new perception where like one application that is like only owned by you, like MetaMask or whatever, is like the source of like all the stuff that you want to do on the internet. So, uh, and, but what does it mean in terms of identity itself? Because right now, in, like we think identity is like your name, what you do, who you are, and all the things about yourself, right? Yeah. Um, now with Web3 credentials, with Web3 in general, you're saying that you have a centralized point of entry uh, for how you interact with the digital world that basically says everything about you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's your sort of identity. So basically the blockchain allows you to retrieve all this information about yourself uh, and it's your point of access. But you can have multiple wallets. You can have multiple yeah. points of access. Does does that make what does it change in terms of definition to identity? Yeah, so you know we can start with like the definition of identity. You know, uh, there are some definitions that you also like mentioned the preparation for uh, for this. You know, as a history and like track of what you did. Right. You know, your experiences and your features. Um, but yes, uh, you know. Um, you have you explore internet in different contexts. Like you are a professional self. Like mm -hmm. you know, you go on like LinkedIn, Twitter. You uh, you're a professional um, human being that just like wants to share 
your you know insights about what you do um but also like you can you can game probably you don't game and it's your like you know um legal name you have your your own username that you're not gonna even say on this podcast right, <laughs> right now uh because you want that to like be in private and um etc uh and yeah you can have like you know your shit posting identities etc there's always different contexts and uh what's what's fun thing that um web3 authentication allows us to do is that you can actually now um one have these multiple identities mm-hmm. in places that you want them to be separated but at the same time you know you can reuse any single one of them between different places and that's okay. if you if we compare that to how logins and like you know um identities on the internet work right now um I would say it's mostly like you have, for for convenience sake, you probably have, uh, you know, you log in everywhere with um, with your Google uh, login. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything depends on the Google on uh, on this like Google provider or on, on this right. Google as a login provider. Once they ban you, you know, you're banned everywhere, which is a problem. Um, and uh, it kind of is, you know, movable between websites, but at the same time, just because, like, in, in, in Google, you probably use your legal name. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a lot of, like, personal, personal identifiable data. Um, and, you know, these websites can't really talk to each other because, like, there's, like, some privacy breaches. There's, like, some, you know... Is it um, in their best interest, or do you think they're just trying to seclude themselves? No, it's, like, even, like, legal interest. Like, you know, ah, you... They can't. Uh, yeah, essentially, you know, I cannot retrieve data from uh, any data uh, from Google about you, uh, because you know you have your you have your privacy rights, like especially, especially in Europe, like you know you, you don't you don't want some um, uh, some bad actors to uh, to get to know everything about Michelangelo, but you know you may want um, have your let's say, you know, gaming achievements from one website to be ver- to be immediately re- reusable somewhere else. So, like, you want to flex your, um, I don't know, League of Legends scores. Like, as I was starting to play for examples, like, you want to, like, flex your Le- League of Legends scores in Reddit somewhere, like, when you, uh, where you, like, comment on stuff. Or, like, you want them to be visible on Twitch because it's, like, allows for, like, just, like, more seamless integration. I like that. What kind of, what kind of, do you think it will be super verticalized? So, the type of identity that I have, is like depending on uh, on the specific uh, vertical yeah. in which you're doing, or do you think we'll have also a macro identity that collates all of your little pieces of information? Because it's like, yeah, cool. You can see my League of Legends score. You can see my game's uh, achievements and everything. But maybe I also want to insert uh, some a little bit of info about myself. Is that, otherwise, it's yeah, just... it's, it's already very ver- verticalized. And... Um... As I mentioned, like you can have your gaming identity, you can have your professional identity, you can have like whatever identity you want to create. You know, with in this paradigm, creating uh, a new identity is as simple as just like generating a new uh, pair of public and a private key and like using it with your wallet. Um, And you can spin up a new totally anonymous uh, identity that you will use for different purposes. Uh, And, you know, you 
visit different websites, you will visit different uh, different stuff. It will be totally totally disconnected from your gaming identity or like from, from your previous identities. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, now you know within this new spectrum, like you know all the apps that you are using can talk to each other and like can display your past achievements, your past interactions, your past social graphs, etc. So uh, yeah, I believe. And do you it's, think we'll ever like come that. back and sort of get to a central, like, are we ever going to have a central piece of identity that is, like, bounded to you, whether it's government-enforced, hopefully, fuck not, uh, or whether it's something else? Is, is there going to be, like, a void So we tech? have that by default, right? You have, like, let's not even, like, talk about, like, Web3 and such right now. It's just, like, you know, you have your government-issued identity. I refer to that as, like, your legal name. And some, you know, illegal identity. You know, when I was like uh, buying you the, the birthday gift, I had to show my <laughs> my ID in, in the shop. And you know, we have that. You are born with the government identity already. And the question is, like, whether like, and right now, how the internet was working since the beginning, and how you know it's still going towards where it's still going towards is uh, is that you know you are using your government-based identity on the internet. Like you create your Facebook account, you create your LinkedIn account, and uh, you're using your legal name there. Um, and I think it's gonna like, you know, uh, it's gonna evolve in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. We'll see whether like legal identity will blend into, you know, Web3 world. I personally hope not really. And like we'll be able to like move autonomous, uh, anonymously. We will be able to uh, mm. use zero knowledge proofs to like you know prove legal data wherever necessary. And like right. we can also jump into that in a moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, in general, I hope um, that uh, that's not going to be the case. So you hope that we're going to be able to choose what identity means to each one of yes. us, so that we're free to decide my identity is only these pieces of information. Yes. Uh, it's not that. If we get it right, this is how it's going to evolve. One of the risks is that uh, developers and, uh, you know, um, entrepreneurs just like me will, you know, get this shit wrong. And it is, you know, connectable to your, your legal identity. All right, let's dive into that. Um, I have a quote uh, from your tweet, um, from your Twitter. You said, Web3 offers everyone their own identity, reputation, yeah. <laughs> and credentials across the internet, which yeah. is both amazing and convenient and a privacy nightmare. Yes. Let's unpack this. Uh, <laughs> tell me first uh, why amazing and convenient, and then we'll go into why dangerous and then privacy yeah. nightmare. Okay, let's start with the good parts, you know, and that's that's literally a part of my pitch for the startup, right? So whenever you finish a course at college or like you... Have your some uh, you, you have some work achievements. Uh, you did something right. You want yeah. to show 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 of that. Like you put that on LinkedIn. You update your LinkedIn. Maybe you update your some other site, and then you apply for a job. And like you need to update your resume, etc. It's um, it's a pain in the ass. Like you need to do a lot of uh, a lot of sing- uh, separate actions. You need to put that into right context everywhere. Um, I think this is something that. Uh, you know, a, a potential Missouri competitor in the future, uh, you know, uh, is doing very right. It's like, you know, Polywork, this website where you can like, you know, explore yourself and like show exactly what you're doing, you know, but you, you need to like submit 
the data to this platform yourself. So you right? always need to manually sort of inform the system or software or whatever the hell it yeah. is, everything about yourself. Yeah, and that's undoubtedly inconvenient. Yeah, it yeah, you're can, not, you're it not can be right. Like. It can be right. <laughs> um, and you know, in, with Web three credentials and in the open data paradigm, you know, whenever I want to use this, you know, professional identity, uh, you know, my achievement is already, you know, in some either open API database mm-hmm. or like somewhere on the blockchain with also an open API database, just immutable. Nice. Um, and then suddenly, you know you just finished this course or maybe, you know, you just landed some very important investments. You're very proud of yourself or maybe you just recorded this podcast. You're proud of yourself. Like, it's somehow converted into this digital piece of information. Um, And yeah, suddenly it's everywhere where you want this in the right context. It's boom. It's ready. It's (laughs) ready there for you. So, um, and also, it's on the convenience side. Uh, for you, it's just convenience that you need to upload this information. Uh, but it's also incredibly useful, you know, for people that maybe want to get to you and like who they want to find people who record podcasts, who land those right. investments, etc. Because maybe they want to hire you or like they want to learn from you. You know, data is again in the open. And here comes now the privacy program. Yes. You know, do they want to reach the professional, you know, Mick without maybe like, you know, legal name and stuff? Or do they want to reach out to like Michangelo, who was born in Italy, and like do you know suddenly they know too much about you? Mm-hmm. They don't need to know everything about you. They only need to know about you that um, you're ama- you're an amazing professional. So here is the where the, where the privacy problem comes. Uh, uh, is it starts. is it because right now the sort of upload process is automatic, and the information about you is captured instead of uploaded? we lose some of the stack in the sense that we, are, we don't have as much control over what is fed into the system. In, in the internet that we are building, you will always will be able to, you know, publish the data about yourself. Or like, you know, you will always be able to like post a status update. You will yeah. always be able to like, you know, okay. sh- tell that you did something. Like, you know, if, if you don't tell to the world that we just recorded this pod- podcast, like nobody will know about it. Like you, you need to be the source of the information. Um... But at the same time, you know, it's going to be less, like, credential that you, like, the things that you say about yourself Mm -hmm. will be less valuable than, you know, some credible institution saying that, oh, Michangelo is actually excellent. Uh, He actually completed (laughs) this, you know, um, in a very... um, with with great outcomes. And when you just like post it on LinkedIn that, oh, you know, this was a great success. And like, of course, the team was super motivated. Everybody was was happy and we we reached 120%. You know, like, it's fun that you said that, but I I would like to have some, you know, verifiable information to it. So that's the fun twist. But of course, you will always be able to represent yourself online however you want. Right, but like my, my point is, if we get an automated system that sort of drags the information directly because it makes it more convenient, it's not like you're going to have to opt in every time. You're going to be like, yeah, that is true, or no, that is false. Like, something could be, is it ever going to be just dropped on you because you participated oh, somewhere? Yeah. This is a controversial and like ongoing debate on like, you know, let's go there. We're in this system, like, is uh, opt in. Like h- how much of like the system is opt-in, how much is like opt-out, how much, you know, do you have a control over, you know, what people say about your uh, about you? So, okay, I'm going to introduce this fun concept. Like in May mm-hmm. this year, 
um, Vitalik and uh, a few researchers from like the digital identity world uh, dropped a paper about um, decentralized uh, society. Uh, the paper was uh, really widely acknowledged, and like I loved it. It was like mm -hmm. it, it was made mainly in the context context of like how can we use blockchains to represent uh, human interactions right. and like how can we represent each other's uh, like within communities. Uh, and as part of this paper, they introduced also a concept of sold bound tokens. You maybe have heard about them. Mm -hmm. Like the the name is famously terrible, uh, but the concept is really famously, why famously terrible. Like it's you know, soulbound. Oh, Will you no. understand? Like you know, why why are you collecting like soulbound tokens? Like mm. <laughs> maybe it works in Italian. In Polish, it doesn't work. Mm. Um, so uh, so yeah, there is like this name like you know it's, it's taken straight out from Warcraft. Um, so it's not really meant to well, be used professionally. Well, it's because it goes directly to your soul. It's not even personalized. Yeah, the, the concept bound. is that it represents, you know, your identity. It's not meant to be, you know, resellable. You know, it's mm. issued by like one institution or one community to you, and it's just like stuck. It's stuck with you. Right. And now, you know, I'm gonna go straight to the, the downsides right now, even like because obviously, you know, I, I love the concept. We're using it with Mazure, and um, I believe that SBTs, these solvent tokens, are are the future of how we present ourselves on the internet. Okay, so uh, something that is dropped upon you that says something about you. Yes, and I I, I love the concept, and of course, there's there are uh, things to improve, but you know. Um, I'm I'm in the camp of people that uh, that like the concept of of these NFTs that represent you and you cannot transfer them. But here's the problem: if you cannot transfer it, or like you cannot, you know, get it out of your soul, mm -hmm. what if somebody, you know, one tells something, you know, just just wrong about you, or just like you know, they um, they say to the world that you are actually, you know, slacking at work and like you're not really that right. cool and like you're honestly boring. You don't even like speak good English or something like that. <laughs> and like, you know, two, maybe they will just like lie that, oh, maybe you like committed crime in the past. But now I'm marked forever. You're marked forever. And like, you know, it, it has to be like you, you suddenly need to opt out somehow, you know, because like there is something said about you that, you know, was not verified, but people can already start making some assumptions. Um, but is this permissionless? Like, can anybody drop anything about anyone? In the design proposed by the paper, yes. And, you know, here comes your question. Like, you know, is your identity something that is just like dropped in on you? Um, probably not, it's not going to work exactly like that because of these problems, uh, of like, you know, it's, if people can permissionlessly drop stuff on you and like mark you on chain and you kind of like get right. rid of that, or it's not going to work. It could work, but it will be meaningless. It's like, yeah, those are the shitty <laughs> sort of certificates that you received that are unverified, undouble checked or something. Hopefully. But again, here comes the, the, uh, here comes the innovation and, you know, um, uh, responsibility on the builders, developers, and entrepreneurs. You know, we are responsible for building the future. And if we build like this like very viral product that's, you know, gets like incredibly fast to, to, to like gets gets traction and adoption incredibly fast. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't show off in the front like you know on the front end and you know doesn't display the fact that something is unverified. Um, as you mentioned, it's not double checked and should be ignored. But maybe it's gonna show that oh yeah, somebody you committed the crime because somebody says, said so. Right. You know it's gonna be a problem, and it depends you know on us builders, on us entrepreneurs, 
to uh, to actually build systems that uh, will properly reflect that and like will support the end user of the decision of like you know should uh, should I value this credential should I should I trust this identity provider? How are you gonna do that on Masri? Mm. If the, you've you've put some thought thoughts into yeah, that, yeah. Right? we were actively thinking about it very recently. Actually, started thinking about it. Um, it's a problem of curation. So, like, okay, how are we going to approach it? Probably right. it's going to be like heavily, you know, about curation and you know, at the beginning, manual verification. You know, it's not going to be like on scale yet, but um, you know, in the world where. It's also like an interesting concept of like in the world where all data is open and equally uh, uh, equally uh, accessible. What's your moat, right? What's your moat? What's your yeah, moat? Fair enough. Startup. I mean, like, what's the value that delivered to the world, right? Right. And uh, in Web three, it's like very much like unexplored yet. And one of the uh, one of the modes that we could introduce as Mazuri to this to to this system mm -hmm. is that we index all of this data. But we actually now help you to contextualize that. We curate what's um, what's valuable, what is not valuable, right. and we have like you know some sort of data that makes the existing open data 10x more valuable. And this is why you want that to is like insightful. work with us. That is insightful, and especially because you have first mover advantage. Hopefully, you build enough credibility in the space <laughs> upon which your 10x model. Yeah, that that, that's, says what, that, that's what I'm hoping for. But right. you know, like we we <laughs> let's, let's let's not shift it right now to uh, to the startup adventure. I would love to talk about that in, in a moment. But Absolutely. we're still we're still in the identity world, and like going back to the initial question, you know, I just hope and. Uh, believe that it's gonna come out to come down to us, and you know how are how are we actually gonna do it? Because the technology gives us a lot of opportunity, and uh, it's an exciting world, but it can go wrong in many ways. An ex another example how it could go wrong is again, you know, if you have one identity, your professional identity, and let's say you want to be anonymous in your professional identity, mm -hmm. as many developers in crypto actually are. Like there is a trend of like people just like going anonymous. I also have like, you know, some anonymous Twitter accounts and, you know, I... You do? Yeah, of course. Everybody try to understand what my <laughs> uh, No, still my docs account is like the most popular one. Uh, it's not like I'm, I'm docs super account. popular. My docs. Oh, your docs. <laughs> no, <laughs> your no, dog dogs. Account. No, you no, got no, a docs. private anonymous oh. dog account. You're not hanging out in the crypto world enough. <laughs> uh, I am not. Um, yeah, okay. But, no, but to, you know, I have some anonymous identity. Let's say, and let's say I want to use an app like Mazuri that helps me highlight that and connect with um, with other developers or with employers. You know, if in this app we suddenly reveal too much about you, or like we we accidentally link you link your anonymous identity to your legal identity, you know, that's a huge fuck up on our side. And like, you know, we we're we as builders, like we fail our user because they want to remain anonymous and we want to show off as much about them as possible because we give it, we give, uh, you know, we give the value to our users in this way. But there is a world where we show too much and suddenly everything is broken because we, we aggregated too much and we didn't curate this data properly. 
And in the age of blockchain, where everything is immutable and forever, what does yeah, that mean? Exactly. Maybe we're gonna issue like an SBT badge, cell uh, bound token, uh, to you, saying too much, and suddenly it's it's, it's permanently on chain, and you know, uh, the whole system breaks. And this is one of the largest critiques of the social Web three systems that is out there, and it's very valid. And but I, I the, the the thing is like. It's a self-imposed law. Like we're trying to have builders build consciously and try to design these systems so that this doesn't happen. Yeah. Nobody's enforcing this shit. You can do it by accident. Or you can be, you know, maybe you will be motivated by, uh, by, you know, some profit opportunity and you will decide that, oh, this... This client actually wants me to dox these developers and they will pay me, you know, 20 million contract for that. It's, you're, maybe you're not going to say no. Like, you know, it's a, a huge sum of money for many people. Or like, you know, it's a, there is definitely, everybody has like a threshold uh, upon which they <laughs> will not do the right thing. And you know, like once somebody offers, offers you that, you're, you're just going to break. So um, what, what's your threshold? <laughs> it's, my mind is probably, oh, what's my threshold to do an ethical thing? I don't know. I, I depends on the thing. The, 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 the depends on the thing. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the threshold is high enough, but at the same time. But there know, is a threshold uh, in terms of monetary compensation. Excuse me? There is a threshold of monetary compensation. Yeah, I think everybody has a threshold. Interesting. You know, it's like we're humans. Um, but yeah, coming back to, um, to the questions, many things can go wrong. It's a fun technological paradigm, but. We're still people. We're still okay. people, and this this will not change. We will always be just people using the technology. Which is why it's so important to design systems that encompass us being people. In the sense that we will con- constantly fail, uh, and so the the funny thing is that it's people still building these systems. Yeah. Um, so nothing in a world where everybody gets scared. Uh, is when we can't even have a set of rules or principles to follow on how to scar or not to scar. It's the beauty on one side, like this permissionless nature where everybody can build whatever they want uh, and and it can reach an infinite potential number of people. I mean, 7 billion people on Earth. Um, Like internet so far did it very well. Like, you know. Who? Internet in general. You know, we reached 2 billion people. We connected them and that was amazing. Uh, You know, in some cases it didn't went... Uh, very well, but it's some, you know, it, it worked very fine. So Web3 is just an extension of the broad mission of internet, of connecting the people. Fair enough. And I should probably not be like pouring water and speaking <laughs> at the same time. It's going to destroy the shot. But <laughs> No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, um, so um, the question obviously here is, uh, right now, um, we imagine Web3 credentials being dropped on you and we're, we've explored the, the, the fear of sort of having something that uh, maybe you don't want bound to your identity being exposed. Um, with more and more data, what actual information about someone are we going to be able to, to say? In the sense that if we imagine a world where every interaction you have with the internet is sort of recorded somehow, uh, everything you do uh, is sort of captured and, and you can build models on it in the sense that the more data you have about someone, and we spend so much time on the internet, right? We spend so much time every single day, years over years. So you can create really powerful models, I would guess, over someone's identity. Uh, So I'm just thinking, considering there is this powerful idea of everybody can sort of model anything on top of you, Mm -hmm. um, 
how far can we go? Like, we're... Oh, we, okay. I believe we can go too far. And whenever, like, you know, you're, you're talking about that, you know, I have all the privacy problems in my head, you know, like, we're leaving so much data. We are essentially, you know, like, recording our whole lives on different databases on the internet. And whenever these become, like, actually open, uh, and with Web3, we are going to this direction, you know, we will be able to tell a lot about any given identity, possibly too much. Um, but in a good sense, you know, um, I think uh, it will, ha like, in the good way of this, of, like, you know, your whole interactions with the internet are recorded somewhere and, like, they can be analyzed, you know, we will be able to access a lot of um, underappreciated talent uh, on the internet. That's you will be able to, like, get to a lot of, you know, information that is not maybe, um, you know, popular in the mainstream media or, like, in mainstream um, way of thinking about the world. Uh, but, you know, it can now, you know, flow out in the world and I can be represented just because it's, it's visible, it's out there. That is very interesting. Let's try to break it down uh, and maybe give a few practical examples. The first one that pops into my mind, if you record everything on the internet, every interaction you do, I'm pretty sure you can model a pretty standard and indicative algorithm of your just your CPU. Like how, how smart are you? In the sense, very yeah. practically, objectively. I mean, it's hard to put objective on top of being smart. What does it mean? Yeah. Uh, but you could probably build some models that deduct someone's IQ, right? Uh, in probably one definition of yeah. IQ. Uh, and the, the, you can probably include that into Masary so that you could apply <laughs> to a specific position showing off your 155 IQ, whatever it is. Yeah, at some point, it's going to be probably you know possible to build a score like that. We don't want to build scores because there is like so much bias in those scores that, you know, uh, Why? You know, when, when you build when you build a model like that, this is just gonna put you into like one score of like how intelligent are you, or like you know just like putting you into a number. You know, there's a huge responsibility on the creator of such score to like for this to be good. Uh, so for Mazuri right now, you're thinking like much more in this like quantitative effort. So like we just like highlight your credentials. You like we help recruiters to show off like what's actually valuable, what's required a lot of. Um, a lot of effort to to get and like a lot of skill to get, um, but yeah, we're not doing scores uh, anything or, or anything. So like that this. is more of an ethical choice, or is it just because you think it's not insightful enough? Um, right now, it's just an ethical choice because we. I'm I'm certain that right now we don't have enough data to create uh, scores good enough for this. Um, okay. And you know, so you're we, like, whatever score comes out is not going to be indicative of anything much. It's just going to add bias to the system. Hence, yes. I don't want to curate it. Yes, right. Exactly. Exactly. Right now, maybe it's going to change in five years, especially if we are able to build these scores in you know privacy-preserving way. Interesting. And like we can actually serve the user that obtains the score rather than just like you know we can. You can tell the recruiter that somebody is really smart. You know, I would love to build a system like that, but you know, it's um, it's it's hard and it's a really thoughtful process. But you, as Masri, is going to be your responsibility to sort of go deep, uh, go uh, dig into these models and try to understand which ones are high quality of output and indicative of someone's traits, and which one are just fluff. 
So is yes. it your job? It is. It's it, it is our job to, to to you know to create the content to the recruiters, and it's you know it's our job to to make it useful. Um, sorry, does <laughs> it mean that you are gonna be in control of? what someone can showcase about their identity, you're going to be able to decide what type of traits they're going to be able to showcase about themselves? Yes, this is this is going to be like a very opinionated part of our product. Um, it's not very opinionated yet, but in the world where, you know, there's so much data about wow. your interactions, you know, it, it is going to be very much our, you know, product choice and, um, and our own, you know, um, research, Will be will be going into creating profiles that we believe are the most representative about you, and at the same time, you know they they actually help the recruiters to make the hiring decisions. Uh, maybe they help investors to make the investing decisions, um, but at the same time, they will not get too deep into your private world. So what you guys are essentially is a is a sort of identity curator. Yeah, if 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 we win, we will not only be like you know so. First of all, we are aggregator, like, like we create some sort of uh, identity about uh, about your actions on the internet. Uh, we can do that because Web3 credentials allow you to query very a lot of open data. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, at some point when there is like too much data that we aggregate, we need to start curating this and you know actually make it valuable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you think there is going to be companies that are going to subscribe to you guys because they are aligned with your philosophy of curation of data, and then maybe your competitor is going to have some other type of company. Do you see a yeah. world like that? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, you have. So let's say if so. Let's let's right now assume that the vision that. Web3 credentials are eating the world. And like, you know, you, everybody holds like 100 different NFTs that represent them, you know, they're like professional actions, et cetera. Um, if this vision comes true, then in five years, we will have to hire like a research team that, you know, does all the cool data analysis and data science and machine learning models about mm -hmm. what pieces of this data is actually valuable and how do we filter out, you know, how, how do we filter it out through 100 uh, million people? Um, and yeah, you know, like it's very much going to be this like algorithmic battle, um, just as, you know, uh, search engines like rival, uh, right, like r uh, compete on, on, you know, just search algorithms. Um, it's, uh, you, I like that, that term, that notion of algorithmic battle. <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, it's it's symbolic. It's a new term. It's like a very much 21st century term. <laughs> 21st century algorithmic battle. You guys are going to be in the war. And I think, I think it's, uh. I mean, this, it makes this sense. This word was not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is actually this is a good segue into the next session. Um, so, sort of part of the of the discussion that I wanted to, br to bring up is like uh, future of work in the sense what matters to employees, uh, yeah. employers in the sense what do employers care about when it comes to hiring someone that they want to have verified want to have verified about a specific person right because in the future you'll build algorithms that will be able to indicate something about someone mm -hmm. that's very valuable today what do they actually care about when they hire when you hire and what insights can you arise through web3 that mm -hmm. you're not able to arise through uh, linkedin profiles okay something that works already yeah. Okay. So the uh, the most widely used Web3 protocol, I think, you know, in general, is called POAP. It's it started as a uh, the, the name comes from as 
the name is an abbreviation of proof of attendance protocol. And it started recently uh, actually as this like, you know, badges that you can collect after going to an event. So like, you know, we maybe in 2017, uh, you know, 16, we, we would go to like, you know, some Ethereum meetup. I don't know if Poap was actually live already there. Maybe it was like, you know, a little bit later. But we would go to an Ethereum meetup and we would just like collect this NFT badges, right? Uh, so um, so this is how Poap started. And now, you know, a few years forward, there is over 1 million unique people that collected some sort of Poaps. Um, it's uh, by far the, the most used protocol, again, in, in the social web three. Mm-hmm. Of course, like trading protocols, etc., are more used. But like for in social web three, this is the most uh, used one. And there is a lot of different pops that give you a very unique insight about the given address. So, for example, um, my favorite uh, my very favorite pops are coming from Eve Global, which is like we uh, is, is a, it's a series of um, Ethereum hackathons where people just you know you know how hackathons work like they, they gather every month or two and they just like hack cool stuff. And if you are a finalist or like you just you participate in the hackathon, you get a pop. And in Missouri, we can just search through people who receive these pop-ups. So, like, you can immediately search through people who go to hackathons, you know, two, three, four times a, a year, or, like, they even maybe want a hackathon. And this is something that you will not see on LinkedIn, one, because they just don't allow to filter by hackathon contributions. But on the second part, you know, you just don't submit the data on LinkedIn, like, hackathon data. It's not, it's, it's something very new, and this is something that Polywork maybe tries to tackle of like uh, they, they allow people to submit this like, you know, new uh, data about uh, their professional lives to their platform. But, uh, you know, it's um, it's not automatic. And and with Missouri, we know exactly, you know, the 500 people who, uh, who got their pop-ups and we can immediately search them. Another example. Um, have, they all- done, have, they, have, they, have recruiters done that after yeah. it's global? Yeah, that's insane. Exactly. To me. Uh, so they just hop the Maserati, boom, boom, dude, boom. It's, it's it's really useful for investors as well. Like you know, uh, these these hackathons have a really uh, entrepreneurial developers there, and like you know, investors also have to talk to these people. Who went there, and then I find information about what the profile. Like, do you connect to their LinkedIn or or Twitter? So um, if somebody didn't go to Maserati at all. Let's like start with the best, uh, with the base case, the worst case. You know, we just got the information about the pop. You will see, you know, other pops that this person got. We will see other uh, web three credentials that they gathered. You know, from other providers. Let's uh, let's say like you know, boot camps that offer NFT certificates, uh, some uh, courses that uh, offer NFT certificates, or or even like a bounty platforms that mm-hmm. offer, you know, a confirmation that's that confirmation confirmations that you received, um, you, that you completed some sort of a bounty and, uh, you, you, you will see this profile. You will not see right now a lot of contact options just because it's like non-trivial yet to like contact an Ethereum address. Uh, at some point it will be easier. Like when, you know, there will be, there will be like a WhatsApp counterpart that just like, you know, allows you to, to message at an Ethereum address instead of, um, uh, instead of uh, a phone number. Uh, it is in the making. Somebody's building this. It's just sure. like a matter of adoption. Um, so right now this part doesn't work uh, as well, but if, if, um, 
if the person that you found, you know, created the Mazura profile, you know, now the like contact option is trivial, you know, we collect, um, uh, we collect some, you know, contact data from them, we can facilitate the connection on our side, and you can actually reach them. Uh, and you have this like, you know, very unique context of, you know, what events are they attending? What courses are they, they, they complete? You know, we are working on like, how can we represent uh, your work experience? Uh, there are also some interesting protocols that are that are building this. Um, but yeah, like we we're trying to actually build this this profile, and, it's, and most of this is working right now. It's not as good as LinkedIn, just because like we don't LinkedIn we don't have the LinkedIn scale of data, and you know LinkedIn is a, the, the best LinkedIn... growth hack in the in in ever. Like they convinced everybody to submit their yeah. like information to, because otherwise you're not gonna get a job, and. It, it's great. It's it it works to like it worked uh, to this moment. But I believe that at some point, you no know, people will stop giving out their data for free to LinkedIn. They will be you know they 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 will be very much much more conscious about you know being about you know you being the owner of the data instead of just like some some third party site. Um, yeah, and they will control, you know, uh, where is the source, you know, what information you, uh, it says about you, etc. And like, for Love example, it. you know, then on Mazure, we can, we can display that we can un- like, you know, in anonymous, um, in an anonymous profile and contextualize that to developers, uh, to recruiters. Yes, totally. And so you always tend to go back, um, like, can I have an anonymous Mazure profile? Yeah, we support that. You support that? Yeah, we are not even, not even we encourage that. So by default, ah. if you're gonna go through like an onboarding process right now, you will see that uh, by default your Ethereum Ethereum address is your username. It's fun when you when you go to Mazuri, you can like literally skip the whole onboarding like without leaving any data about yourself because like we don't need it. Uh, at some point, we will like you know highly suggest that you leave some contact data to us, but right now you can skip everything. Um, and yeah, like by default, your username is just your Ethereum address. We have an option to like, you know, so you can add your uh, like legal name, uh, but only for people who, you know, spent, you know, 20, they have 20 years of experience and they build their whole personal brand about their legal name and you don't want to lose the social right. capital. But by default, everybody is anonymous on but the website. But why do you encourage that? Being anonymous? Mm. Um, in this new paradigm, as I told you, you know, uh, you have a right to have five different lives on the internet. And, you know, our, our ideal case, our ideal scenario for the future of digital identity is where everybody um, leaves this life disconnected from each other. So you are, you have your, again, you have your professional self, you have your gaming self, you have your shitposting yourself. Um and you have your like you know hobby one two three yourselves, and uh, your legal government identity is the only factor that connects these two. So um, the future where Mazure as the product is the most valuable is the future where you don't use your legal name on the internet, and you're building much more, uh, very much for this. Um, maybe at some point you know. It's, it's gonna show up. Our users like will want to use these legal names, and like it show, it turns up that you know people actually love the government issue identities. Of course, there is a future like that, and as a business owner, uh, you know I have a duty to like adjust to this and like listen to my users. But uh, right now we're an opinionated product, and we support. I love it. I love how bold <laughs> you guys are in taking these decisions. 
do you think that your Ethereum address identity will trump the importance of your legal identity uh, for the majority of people on Earth? With the right set of tools and you know user experience that we will build all over like next five years, I believe we have a shot for that. It's a it's a bold thing. I I don't want to be you know overly confident. You know I I I maybe as a startup founder I sh I should just like say yes, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> just don't do, don't don't say anything else. Um, that would be obviously, you know, not not very informative, but, uh, you know, this is what you want. Do you want this boldness? Um, no, but the real answer is that obviously right now we're not ready for that. You know, there's a huge set of problems with storing seed phrases of like using your, losing your identity, uh, you know, not leaving too much data on blockchains, like, you know, blockchain scalability. Everything right now is okay, a problem. Okay, no, but let's break but, down. Let's break down these challenges. Okay, uh, let's, a, let's bring it down. I think it's a good exercise for us to understand exactly what are the steps that we need to take for make that vision happen. Because okay. I, I really subscribe to that. I think people we are born on Earth with like one identity, and we're yeah. bound to that notion. But then all of a sudden, you give us the option to have multiple identities, and I think we could have a mentality shift of what identity means. So let's understand what are the next five challenges. Yeah. that you think are most pressing right now, the biggest bottleneck for multi-identity adoption? Yes. And uh, let's do that. I will even like rephrase the question to what you said before. I like this much more. So like, let's say, what does it take? So Ethereum-based identity will be... Uh, what does it take for Ethereum-based identity to be more valuable for people than their government-based identity? And that's the question. Too. Should we, should we that, that, that we can answer? Let me think about that. <laughs> we have all the time. This is chaotic, brother. Yeah. Mm. Let's put it like this: the most pressuring problem is the wallet UX, and uh, is the wallet user experience. So the entry point to having your identity. So to have an Ethereum address, you need to have some sort of some sort of a wallet, um, and you know it already starts. Like wallet is not the right word for this. It should be like just your ID, your you know your identity application on the phone, whatever. It should not be called a wallet. It, wallet is the name for storing your you know assets on the internet. Let's come up with a name. Uh, so we started using on, you know, in our conversations, uh, just like uh, something like identity provider application. I, woof. It's, uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, Wait, identity provider application. Uh, okay, IPA. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Like the beer? Identity storage. We can, no, we will find something much better. But right uh -huh. now we, we, we're talking about like identity provider like instead of a wallet. So, okay. oh. Did you download the new identity provider? Or have you seen this like new cool identity provider uh, on, uh, app on, on the App Store? But no, let's ignore that for a moment. Um, that's already a problem. It should not be called a wallet. Uh, but then let's go further. You know, right now, uh, every wallet with a major adoption, you know, MetaMasks, Phantoms, Rainbow of the World, um, require you to create a seed phrase. And, you know, they require you to take care of this seed phrase, never lose it never give it to anybody else. And there is like a set of assumptions that um, uh, that comes with it. 
uh, where you essentially need to have your users being very technical and specialized about, um, you know, um, using these seed phrases. Um, you know, you you kind of rely on people either like very securely storing their 12 or seed phrase or, you know, remembering it. And I, I remember my... You remember your I seed remember phrase? my 24 You're word kidding. seed phrase. How that, long did that know, take you? How long did that take you to remember? much, you know, you do just space repetition and I like, you draw some pictures and like remember that. Crazy. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not going to say what, what I do with mine, but it's definitely yeah, yeah, but, not. You know, my, my seed phrase like stores like a very considerable amount of assets right now. So it's like, uh, it's, it's just responsible to, to do it this way. I remember it. I have like my, my hardware wallet, etc. But you, my mom is not going to do it. My grandma is not going to do it. Well, I'm like not... having a proper phrase that you got to remember. Uh, and it's not a, like a phrase that makes sense. So, yeah, so that like we get 20, it right. 24 different words. 24 different words that are randomized or yeah, I, I would hope so. Randomized to um, get it when you create your wallet. Uh, right. And now you are responsible for storing them. And it makes sense maybe when if, you, if they actually are meant to secure your whole wealth, uh, wealth like, you know, your digital assets, et cetera. Uh, you know, if, if, if it secures $1 million, like you can remember a few words, it's going to be okay. But, you know, it's not a UX that is going to be, that, that can be required if you just want to sign up for Facebook. Mm. Or you know you just want to collect some NFT on on the way. Yeah. So how do we how do we solve this? Uh, there are a few attempts. So um, I think the most ambitious one um, is related to social recovery and account abstraction. And these these are two. Uh, okay. Let's, let's break these two down. Yeah. So social recovery is uh, is basically relying on this that you, instead of you storing one seed phrase and your seed phrase like being you know uh, the the entry point to all your accounts mm -hmm. you delegate uh five or ten of your friends that um you know let's say five you delegate your five friends um that are able to recreate like you know the seed phrase to your system so you say you, you delegate it to me you delegate to your boss to your mom to your cousin and to like somebody totally else totally how different. is that a better experience yeah yeah so right now it's a hard <laughs> experience like it's, it's right now it's like very hard and also like Man, that's prime territory for coercion, uh, like them working together. Like, yeah, if yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> just, just, let, yeah. I'll let you There's finish. There's many problems, <laughs> again, but, you know, it's, if done right, you know, it should be as easy as, you know, you, you create a wallet, you have your contacts on the phone, you decide, you know, who are your guardians. They never know about each mm. other. And, you okay. know, if, if, if you choose, like, a set of, like, seven people, and, you know, there is your family and there is, like, your friends and there is your, you know, colleagues there um, or, like, whatever type of relations. Like, you need to be, like, a huge asshole for all of them to collaborate against against you. Yeah, like, but huge assholes is, exist, man. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but in theory, like, game theory behind it is pretty, you know, uh, it goes in your way. Like, people right. will not... Will not uh, probably like collaborate to like take uh take right. over your identity because why why would they they, they appreciate you in, in your life and at least in this right. like you know positive right. uh positive positive scenario it should work like that but in general you know imagine this ux you create a wallet you, you set your guardians or whatever and you use your identity if you lose your phone or you you, you lose your access to wallet you can like ask five out of these seven uh guardians or like identity providers to just you know just confirm that this is you 
And if five of the, five of seven confirms, then like you get your wallet back. And you know this is also this was also mentioned in this like decentralized social uh, decentralized society uh, paper I mentioned before. Mm. Um, they 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 used a method for like attestations instead of these guardians. It's like you know. I, I can ask my university to confirm that this is me. You know, I, I'm a college dropout. I don't have a uni, but like, you know, if I had a university, they could like uh, love that, that this love is that me. smile that you're like, that, I'm a college dropout. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I, I don't do this shit. But uh, you know, you have your university, your you know, football club, your family, or like you know, all the different communities that you hang out with, and like you know, maybe again, like five out of nine, or like whatever is the count of your communities, right. can attest that oh. This is actually you, and like you know, now you deserve to recreate your wallet. Okay, one thing, taking it back to first principle thinking, with big word, but doesn't mean yeah. anything. Uh, like, isn't the whole concept of, uh, or isn't part of the uh, sort of blockchain? Doesn't it enable a sort of outsourced trust in the sense that you we don't have to rely on each other, we don't have to rely on me knowing you. Mm -hmm. uh, for me to be able to interact with the internet um, or or sort of access the web. And so it's like, if we're trying to outsource trust, why all of a sudden we're like, <laughs> oh, let me just put the trust we, back into we, people. We go we go the full, full circle, right? Yeah. Um, so there are applications that, again, like don't require any trust in, in this new part, in this paradigm. And for example, sending money doesn't require like trusting anybody. You've set up, you can like always set up your node. You can submit the transaction. It's going to get processed. And, um, and this is very much trustless. Um, but, you know, at the same time, when we try to recreate some setups, some other setups that actually require trust, like, you know, this like social aspects and, um, and you know, like, just if I want you to trust me, uh, you know, I need to earn this trust somehow. And the key here is not to rely on like one identity or like on, on your bank or on Google or like on, on other private, you know, corporation to, to store this identity for you. But maybe, you know, your friends should be the source of the identity, like communities that you hang out with should be, should, should, should be, uh, should be these guardians of your, of your identity. And here comes one caveat that I wanted to mention. You mentioned like, you know, thinking from first principles and, and, you know, um, doing some, you know, obviously good solutions. I want to be clear, right now we are in a like, very much like a researchy phase of like, how can we improve this with like, you know, this new tech, etc. It's not really like, um, you know, thinking what's going to be immediately the best for the people. Right now we are in the, like, you know, in the, in the face of like, oh, this could work like that. Um, maybe it's going to be better. I don't think anybody knows the answer yet if this is actually okay. the smashing success. Okay. Uh, Got it. That's four seed phrases. Yeah. Uh, what else in terms of bottlenecks? Yeah. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to focus on two other points. So one will be like uh, one that I've already spoken about. So it's privacy. And, you know, we, I love open data and it's very, use, very useful, but again, you know, if we, uh, if we behave in this like open data paradigm as we behave in this web to internet, like after some time, there will be just like too much personal identifiable data on chain and like on open data. Uh, 
which uh, will just lead to like very dangerous situations of like, you know, you unknowingly using your real identity in a situation when you think you're anonymous and, you know, maybe you will show to your friends that you watch some content that you're ashamed for, uh, that you're ashamed of. So getting this right will be very important and I think is the existential problem for, for crypto adoption. Uh, may, did, maybe actually, you know, just using signing with Google everywhere, uh, but without your legal name is the, is the way to go. Maybe Google will ban you for that, but maybe not. And like, you know, maybe this, this has no way to work in general. So that's, that's number two for me, uh, privacy. And you think it's more of a philosophical or like, is it, is it a bottleneck that people just don't feel comfortable or? <sighs> it's in general, you know, convenience versus bright internet usage. So I think over the last 30 years of internet, we developed some patterns where, you know, a huge part in like development of the internet was played by um, startups and, uh, you know, just companies trying to maximize growth and profits. And like, you know, you, you make the whole user experience as seamless as possible and you guide your users to, you know, either like a payment or some revenue generating event. And a lot of like people, you know, just like just like 2 billion people that are using internet or like maybe it's at four right now, whatever, like huge number of internet users is, uh, is just like we humans are used to go with like the easiest option in these devices, uh, in, in, in these applications. So if we continue using applications like that, which is probably, you know, the way how it's going to go forward, it's going to be very easy to, to leave too much data uh, behind yourself. And this is dangerous. Um, we can still turn it in this like new paradigm of like new applications. Um, maybe, you know, new applications will just like not allow to leave too much data. But it's, again, it's going to come from us from you know entrepreneurs from investors willing to bet on this future uh but it's definitely not a uh, consensus yet uh so yeah okay that's the problem okay uh and the third the third one uh i think it's, it's in general about um blockchain scalability as, as such so you know um for the for trustless money uh purpose as you mentioned before like we want to have a trustless system that cannot be stopped that is like decentralized and you know um uh, you, you are sovereign in this system um and you know we have bitcoin for that you know ethereum based layer is is also very well decentralized and operated by many different people uh and organizations but uh it's costly like to have to, to run these these algorithms in the decentralized ways where many people can contribute to these networks um it's just, uh, you know, the network will be slow, probably. It will not have much throughput. And because it doesn't have much throughput, like if you want to submit some transaction or like, you know, you want to change this database, you will just pay a lot of so-called gas fees. Right. Uh, and you, you've heard about them, you know, you've, you, you paid probably, you know, too much in the bull run for, <laughs> for some transactions that like didn't do anything special. So, uh, you know, and this is this normal. This is like you know, demand and supply and demand laws in action, um, and always you know this like financial application will be will have like more value per you know one change than just you posting a post on Facebook or like you uh, getting a diploma after finishing a course, something that you just collect, right? 
and blockchain scalability comes uh, he, here comes like blockchain scalability if like what trade-offs can we do about you know we trust assumptions and like decentralization so it's still credible like it still holds some credible neutrality mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time you know it's um, uh, it's cheap to use everybody can just like you know interact with blockchains for for free or like for some very cheap uh, cheap price um, and yeah, finding this balance is hard. Many, many, many great teams are working on uh, on building blockchains which are like less decentralized, like you know Solana or Polygon, mm -hmm. or are working on you know scaling solutions for Ethereum, like Rollups, uh, Optimism, Arbitrum, zk Rollups, and such. Um, and right now, I would say there is no clear, clear winner in this path. It's gonna emerge in a few years. Actually, you know. The seed phrase thing, very much unsolved. The privacy thing, potentially dangerous. About scalability, I don't worry. It's just going to be okay. somebody will crack it. But in the current form, it's definitely, you know, it's everything is too slow and too expensive to use. So I, I would say these three areas is why right now your Ethereum identity will not be as important or like more important than the, than the government one. But again... Uh, you know, we're working on it. Interesting. Uh, I like that. And uh, do you think there are some trade-offs for the third one? Like, what are we waiting for? Because as you were saying, you're like, yeah, we have more centralized systems like Solana that allow more scalability on some less sort. Less centralized. But less centralized. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, more centralized. Sorry. More centralized. It, more centralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, uh, what is the trade-off that you think is going to win or survive? Like, what are you willing to give up? That's a good question. Um, so for Mazure, for example, we issue our, so we have our own set of badges on Mazure that right. you can collect and we issue them on Polygon. Uh, so, you know, we did, we made an opinionated decision that we don't need that much of decentralization for this concrete use case. And I feel like, you know, there will be like better and better solutions, like scalability solutions. Like, you know, they will be like maybe more decentralized over time and they will be like more uh, more performant over time. But it's going to come down also for like developer, you know, what do you need for your use case? Like maybe you just need an API that's even like, you know, could be controlled by Google or Facebook, but you have some, um, some assurance that uh, they will always keep it open and you will be always be able to building on them. And I think this is, you know, the, the agreement, or like there's no, no contracts, but this is like a promise that Solana or Polygon give you, is that, okay, you know, it's kind of, we provide you with our server infrastructure, um, but, you know, in, in our, like, business model or, like, our, our idea is that it's always going to be, you know, open and permissionless to build on, and you can you can trust us. It's trust it's, it's trusted, but in in theory, it's gonna work. Um, you wouldn't trust you shouldn't trust probably these systems with your money, or like you know whenever like uh, a government comes and they say that oh you cannot transact right now on this blockchain, like companies like Solana or Polygon will probably just like ban your address um, at some point of time, and it happened with for example Tornado Cash recently, and it's more to come probably uh, in, in the next years. Uh, and, you know, for, for these situations, you probably only want to transact with Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. Uh, but for small social applications like, um, like ours, um, 
polygons around are probably fun, fine. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, well, that's your trade-off. I think uh, everybody's <laughs> gonna everybody's gonna have uh, hope, hope. Well, it depends. It depends on the future. But uh, do you do you think people will be able to choose their trade-off, or do you think it's gonna be a sort of, yeah, that's just how it is. We gave up. <laughs> we, we gave up on trust. No, in ideal worlds, you know, there is. So I'm I'm very much aligned with the Ethereum scalability roadmap of, uh, you know essentially doing a lot of like technological magic around rollups and sharding to have you know minimum trust assumptions and huge throughput and we're not going to get into the into the details but there is a world where you know we have this like decentralized architecture on scale um, but before we have that the trade off i guess will gonna be on the developers who like build applications that are valuable to the users, like more from like pr first principles, like we deliver you, you some value to you, and you know you shouldn't care if it's like on blockchain or something like that. We just like are valuable, but we used it on we will be we build it on this infrastructure because like you know it allows us to do push it. Maybe you know it's easier for transferring money, or maybe like you know we can read your credentials from chain, and like this is our case. You know we couldn't build Mazure without decentralized infrastructure. Um, and yeah, like, you know, when we deliver this unique value proposition to the users, like we can, uh, we can choose what database and what, what blockchain do we want to build on. And yeah, it's on, it's going to be on the developers and users are like, yeah, this app, I like this app and it's, it has good tech assumptions. I'm going to use it. I like that. Uh, one, two, unless you have anything uh, to mention about this. Uh, I'm good. Okay. I want <laughs> to, uh, move to the next segue. I think, uh, to the next session, I think um, one theme that you're passionate about uh, when we spoke before this yeah. is um, human potential. Uh, and I, I know this because yes. um, we somehow always end up talking about that mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> in our chats. And um, so tell me sort of throughout history how that evolved and, yeah. and why you're so excited about this right now. I'm always excited about it. It's not right now, but I'm building Mazura essentially to enable you know as many uh, as many talented people all over the world to like fulfill their potential and like you know to use their brains to uh, build better technology, better science, and like you know just have better careers. Um, so yeah, I'm always excited about. I was always excited about this topic, uh, and the question was around. The history, yeah, or like, sort of, know. sort of. Um, it, it, it's the first time in history in which you have, uh, in the past century, sort of, would gain yeah. access over information about other people, yes. over listening to their thought. Like we couldn't have, like in the past, you didn't have access of this of this level. Yeah. Right now, I can listen to this podcast, which hopefully brings some insights, but <laughs> I can also listen listen to you know incredible people like Lex Friedman on the other side of the world that is interviewing. Some exactly. fucking incredible person. Um, and so this accruing of access everywhere sort of leads to a compounding effect. Yeah. Um, and right now, what you're trying to do on Masary, how I understand it, is sort of organizing and curating this compounding effect of the information about people so that you can facilitate access to people. No? That vision is beautiful. Uh, and I, I'm just curious to, to sort of understand how you're going to enable, like, how are you going to facilitate that with Masary? Okay, so I think now we can actually go into, like, with this first principle thinking. So I'm going to start with, like, the first principle. What's, you know, what's the purpose of humanity? 
And I, 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 chat, I, I like to chat about it with our common friend, Luke. Um, mm-hmm. Hi, Luke. Who, hi, Luke. <laughs> Hopefully you're listening to that. Um, and I don't remember the name of like the philosophy. He's like, he, he read much more books than I did. But essentially, you know, uh, we, we were chatting about this concept that, you know, the purpose of any, you know, civilization or like any species is to just do, do what is uniquely positioned to do, or, like, you know, that is uniquely skilled to do in the best way possible. And for example, humans are like, this, are, are unique animals who can, um, uh, who can think and, you know, who have like free will, who can, you know, teach uh, new generations, like how to build stuff, you know, we have technology, etc. So if we assume that humans are like uniquely positioned to explore the world and to build new technology, you know, and we did that over the last 200 years, uh, 2000 years, um, and like, you know, much, much more important, but doesn't matter. You know, we did that over the whole course of the course of the history. You know, my assumption is that our purpose of this world, uh, in this world, is to continue doing that. I don't know what's at the end of the road, of, 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 of the road, but, um, you know, I as a human want to contribute to the development of new technology, of exploration of our planet, of the cosmos in the future, and, you know, just seeing what's, what's up there. Um, so that's the like you know the purpose of humanity, and now where where talent comes to uh, comes to and like this compounding effect, um, the science and technology progress uh, over the years, as you mentioned, was very permissioned, and you know only uh, the most wealthy participants in the society could actually be scientists and technologists, etc. And you know, in the past, the progress was very slow, and it started picking up just as like the, the access to science and to uh, research was progressively being democratized. And now, with internet, essentially, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can research whatever you want and participate in any research you want. Uh, you know, just with internet access from wherever in the world, you can be an excellent software developer from anywhere in the world just with an internet access. Um, which is amazing, and internet on itself, like you know, democratized a lot of access to doing excellent research and uh, excellent development. Uh, and yeah, right now it's not like right now I'm excited about this. I'm all, I was always excited about this, but I believe that with stuff like open data and like uh, you know open credentials, we can just even accelerate the process of you know you showing off to the world that you're actually amazing at what you're doing, you're proficient, you didn't have to go to a university, you didn't have to have this network, Um, you don't need to live in San Francisco, London, New York, or Singapore, you can live, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Poland, but, you know, you can signal to the world that you can contribute to to development of of, uh, science and technology. Um, So that's our mission. That's what I'm always excited about, and uh, yeah, like I think that that partially answers the, the question of like, what, what, why are we doing this, and what's its I purpose? I love it. Why are you personally excited about this? Because this resonates with me in the sense that yeah, uh, throughout my whole life, I always felt um, that within me, I always had something to show that I really wasn't able to sort of convey. No. I were never was never able to show to the world anything. I mean. I just kept it within myself. Uh, and finally, you know, you have a world of permissionless access. And, and uh, But 
not really capturing human potential. Then we're not able to really convey what we're able to do beyond just our our output. Yes. Um, it, why are you building this solution, and why does this matter to you as well? Did you feel in your past also something similar? Yeah. Uh, I think in my case, you know, I I come from like middle of nowhere nowhere in Poland. Uh, I was always incredibly curious about the world. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the right upbringing, education, you know, I wasn't in, you know, I, I was for the most of my life, I was like on the outside of, of, of people doing stuff. Mm. Like, you know, I wasn't meant to, to, um, to be an insider anywhere. So I was always frustrated about that because, you know, it like, when I was a teenager, I would be like fascinated by Mark Zuckerberg's and you know Jeff uh, Jeff Bezos's Bezos's, uh, you know Steve Jobs of, of the world that you know just push humanity forward. Um, you know, as a teenager, I maybe I was living in these dreams, but like you know, when it came to like adult life, I discovered oh, so I actually had to be on Harvard to build those to build mm. these things. I actually had to be connected. I think they're. There, there was so much, you know, coming to, the, to this process to to actually now achieve these things. And you know, we study great scientists in the past, like Newtons and like others, uh, but they were also like, you know, just they were like this top, top, top of the society that that was actually, you know, allowed to 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 do science and research. So yeah, you know, I, I come from this background that I want to build for. You know, I want to build for these ambitious, curious kids that are not positioned uh, to always achieve what, what they want. And yeah, that's, that's the thing. And you love probably it. can resonate with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but I love it because it's a, it's a system of cutting through the noise that in today's world we have everywhere and yeah. getting to what actually matter about someone. And so the future that you portray is a very beautiful future in which everybody can sort of be assessed and portray themselves for what they actually bring to the table uh, instead of some fancy university degree. Uh, and so you're, you're, you're sort of allowing everybody to follow their route and play at their strengths because finally we have a system for you to get connected to those people that are going to value those strengths. Yes. And that's a very powerful, and I, I think it probably will have a super, super strong effect on just human, uh, human output. Like, yeah, just as internet gave us like the rails to connect on, I feel like, you know, we should be building more and more systems that just like utilize this power of internet when you can connect and we still like, you know, often don't connect. Like we still often like choose to believe like old school credentials to, to believe in like old school, like power structures uh, instead of just, you know, spotting talent, you know, just on the internet, like this like anonymous Twitter pro profile who like posts some good stuff, but you know, you won't trust them like to, to do something actually, you know, important because we don't know them. But because we can represent them with, with open credentials, I believe it's gonna change. And you will be able to talk to to, uh, to talk to and like trust this like you know anonymous Twitter profile or like whatever like Mazura profile uh, based on on what they're doing instead of like are they in the circle? So yeah, yeah, it's it's a powerful notion. Like putting putting it's paradoxically putting the identity back in the hands of the people. Like you're giving them a chance to just be themselves and show themselves and what they are. Yeah, I think if you look at the history, I I would say that identity was never in the hands of the people. 
Ah, I like that. It was always, you know, for selected people and, you know, history is written by the winners and people that were always positioned in power. But, you know, like history, you know, the average life of a human over the course of history was not that exciting. You know, it would be people like working very manual jobs and like they didn't have much to say about the identity. So, yeah, I think if anything, right now, we're not giving it back to people. We're allowing everybody to have, you know, some richer identity than just, you know, work and their relationship. Are you suggesting we never had identity? Like in the sense that we... No, 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 no. no, no. But (laughs) it's a a very beautiful notion in the sense that we never had... We were never really able... Like, even more in the past, you're born in a village with a name uh, that is bound to your family, with specific religion that depends on the village in which you're born because you don't have access to anything else, right? That's what you know. That's what you're given. And your, your access to material, your access to knowledge, everything is limited and bound by your physicality. Yes. For the first time in history, we're able to give unlimited access, or I mean limited, but still exponentially larger access to all sorts of leverages. So for the first time, I feel like people have a chance of discovering who they actually are instead of being bound to what they were given. Yes, I, I can agree with the statement. And, you know, largely for maybe like, uh, post-war times, you know, I could say right now, obviously, we, we, we have new problems in like mm-hmm. geopolitics side, etc. But like after World War II, I think people, you know, like, capitalism allowed us to like build, you know, m- more individualistic society. Uh, and for the past 30 years, internet like supercharged it with, uh, with, you know, permissionless connection to anybody in the world all the time. So yeah, we're in the, in the very peak of like exciting times in history about in terms of like your identity, what can you do, what's depend like what actually you can do uh, instead of like what's given to you at your birth, at, at, your, at your birth. That's really really interesting. My my only point would be that because we're entering this new sort of system, uh, well possibly we could enter it that is very, very granular and sort of values um, values all of your experiences, but we still have the limits. Like, we still have sort of limits. Like, disparity is still out there. It's not mm-hmm. like everybody has uh, unlimited access. I'm afraid that if we build a system that is already really, really granular, we are actually increasing sort of the disparity in the sense that, you know, if you're deep into crypto, you're inevitably going to be able to show off more of your Web3 credentials yeah. compared to someone who is not. And so the person that, you know, is born somewhere, uh, they're not going to be able to have access to this. And so it's like, maybe, you know, the system is meant to give access to everybody, but then it ends up actually creating a massive disparity. I would say, you know, I, 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 I think we can say, all right, we can take a lesson here from like beginnings of the internet. You know, one like straight up at the beginning, internet was also like you know very small, uh, small world with only you know few universities connected. Maybe army was connected using using internet, and you can say you could say the same thing at the at the beginning. You know, oh okay, internet should connect everybody, but right now it's connecting only the chosen mm-hmm. ones. But progressively over thirty years, you know, it's spread out and I can democratize democratize everything. Um, I believe the same will play out of. Web3 open data crypto. Mm. And like right now, of course, uh, it's only insiders. It's only people with like special, you know, technology skills. 
to, to that that can use these tools. But over 30 years, you know, just as we don't need to connect via like through phones via modems, like you know, we don't need to just we d we don't have these like chunky computers. Like it's also gonna uh, it's gonna get much more simple and it's gonna get much more fair. Right. I wholeheartedly believe that and hope for it. I, 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 so do I, and I hope that the incentives are always aligned to make sure that we include everybody. Because if you can capitalize yeah. on to just having ten percent, and you build a future just for that ten percent, I think you have a really high risk of forgetting the rest. Uh, and and like, I mean, I, I, I think, I think what gives me confidence is people like you that don't really care that much about it, and you're like just building for human potential as a whole, and you realize that it's not the individual that matters, it's the sort of compound yeah. effect. Um, so I want to um, go into CQ. Do you know what CQ stands for? Not yet. It stands for Chaos <laughs> Questions. That's the intro in the whole series, right? I kind of know what was that. I saw the paper, <laughs> but now it's your moment to so introduce. It's Chaos CQs. Questions. Uh, yeah. Chaos Questions are a series of questions that other podcasts call fire round questions, but here are actually chaotic. So it's not about the time chaotic. that you think uh, to answer, the, that you take to answer these. Yep. It's actually about um, just letting go and allowing yourself to just expand and Let's be a bit it. more chill. And you can take all the time you want to answer these. Uh, and they may be controversial, they may be open-ended, they may not be super relevant to you, so feel free to disregard uh, or I'm or ready to this. get cancelled at 24, let's do it. Yeah, especially <laughs> because we will take every single sentence you say out of context. <laughs> so, um, first question. Uh, is it fair to say that Web3 credentialism allows composability of humans? Wow. <laughs> uh, what is composability of humans? I'm sorry. Well, that's a good question. So, <laughs> um, this notion that um, we are sort of, uh, right as we were speaking, giving everybody a chance uh, to go back down to the atom that they are and think, what are my strengths? I'm going to play into those and be myself. Finally finding my identity and how I can contribute to the world. So you're sort of instead of having everybody trying to contribute to a system, you're sort of giving sort of the power to the people themselves to then be close to their minimum atom and then contribute yeah. to the system. So I, I argue that Web3 allows this composability aspect of humans in the sense that everybody can be themselves. Is it a fair thing to say that Web3 allows composability of humans or is it just too broad? It is fair to say. Uh, however, I'm gonna just extend it to like internet allows for the largest, larger com com composability of humans <laughs> and human potential. Uh, you know, like um, people started using internet, you know, Reddit and Twitter and Facebook and like all other forums um, to, to better express themselves. And I believe, you know, most of the interesting part of Web3 is just, you know, extending this mission uh, just with like, you know, cooler technology, better technology um, and with like, you know, some... Um, some, you know, evolution on top of that, but and obviously it introduces a lot of breakthroughs and like and all a lot of innovation. But on that context, in the, about like human composability, I think it's just like you know, internet allows for that. Um, and yeah, I'm a very big fan of internet, as you could Love it. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> so am I. So am I. Okay, second, um, will complete visibility over human traits 
and scales bring out the worst of us? Will it influence us to be something we're not? I believe any new technology, any no neutral technology, will just embrace what's natural about humans. And I believe humans by nature are good. Uh, it's easier to spot, you know, bad traits, but, you know, like the, our past shows that we're building together, you know, better and better society so far. You know, maybe you have problems like, you know, um, wars, rare, but, you know, still are happening as, as now, um, it's now next to my country in Ukraine. Um, maybe we, we're going to hit climate change problems. Maybe we're going to hit like the AI problems, but so far, you know, um, technology only extended what was good in humans. Um, and I believe it's going to continue. And do you think it will influence us? Um, so if, if, if everybody knows everything I do, I will behave a certain way. Um, mm. I will not say fuck. <laughs> I will not be myself. Uh, I mean, it's more like a social study. Um, I don't know answers for that. Uh, how, how do people behave when like, you know, everything is, is in the open? Uh, I believe it's the transparency, you know, um, embraces us to like form in some, to, to fit in some social forms mm. and probably, you know, it's about obeying laws, laws and like, you know, being, being moral. But honestly, I have no idea. We'll see. It's, it's a concern in the sense that, uh, if we record everything, I mean, back to the point of anonymity, like we need to protect and we need to build systems that allow people to be in charge and control yeah. of what they get out there. Okay. So, it, don't, it all goes exceptionally well with Web3 credentials. What does the world look like? You can go from, I need to talk or like I need to work with an expert at, you know, X at front-end development or like, you know, software engineering, design, science. You can go from this need to like actually talking to an expert in like five minutes. And, you know, it does not rely that it does not rely on some like provider of this talent. You can just like tap into the human potential in mm -hmm. a very natural way. Um, and on the other side, you know, if I want to get good at something and I want to contribute to research at top 1% or like top point, point, point. 0.0001% of, you know, biology research, if I want to contribute to that, you know, and all, all I need to do is just like learn and learn and, you know, maybe contribute to, to some projects and like build my, um, my proficiency. And I don't need to, you know, go, go to some, you know, permission, permission to colleges. I don't need to ask, you know, anybody for, for permission. I can just prove that I gained this proficiency and now I can contribute. Uh, you know, this, this is the mission of, of open credentials. Okay. It all goes wrong with Web3 credentials. <laughs> what does the world look like? Uh, w if it all goes wrong in terms of like no adoption or they just like become evil? You decide. Okay, so we have like two answers. If there is no adoption for Web3 credentials, you know, the world is mostly just as it is right now. So still better than without the internet. But we are going to recreate a lot of, uh, we already recreated a lot of old and outdated power structures, you know, in the internet. And 
it doesn't have to be done this way, but it, it's it's been done this way. Still, if you have Harvard and Google in your bio on Twitter, like you would be like recognized recognized by more people, even if it doesn't like you know make sense to be recognized for that. Um, if it goes wrong, like wrong wrong, uh, we will lose a lot of privacy on the internet, and that's the problem. This is like something I'm not comfortable with. Uh, and you know, um, I don't want this future, but uh, we we can just put too much data on the internet, and we create this you know uh, phone book of people you know everywhere with and everything. It can be used for you know malicious purposes. Okay, uh, if we realize we fucked up, is there a way back? Um, that's a good question. If we realize that there is too much data on the internet, on blockchains, or like internet in general, like you cannot remove it. That's proven in the past that you cannot remove anything from the internet. Uh, can, can we change like cultural behavior? Yes, we can. And I think like it's, it's visible like even right now when like, you know, people are not posting so much personal stuff on Facebook or at least, you know, our generation is not doing that. Um, you know, people 10 years ago would put like everything on Facebook and like since Instagram, like everything would be there. And like, we just, I feel, I feel like we don't do it anymore or like, you know, we care more about the privacy on the internet. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to turn out that, you know, this is something that is actually not, um, not serving the humanity that, that well and like you know there will be like cultural switch again so i i will however you would define you know depending on how you define what exactly went wrong i i i would hope it's, it's reversible uh but yeah maybe we create skynet with like open database and ai would kill us mm. we don't know <laughs> we don't know okay um what version of yourself of the future do you fear most so fear. Yeah. I don't fear any version of my of myself in the future. Okay. Should I should I expand on that? No, I, no. I mean if you want, yeah. Yeah, I believe that so for example, I can still at 24 very well resonate or like you know, I can kind of like understand how I was thinking literally at you know 8, 12, 16, 20. And, you know, if I believe this trend will continue, uh, I, I don't fear my future self. I feel like it's going to be an extension of who I was so far. And, you know, I, I don't know, for example, how you have that, uh, how, how you feel that, but I, I feel a very straight line, you know, in like my identities over the past. So, yeah, I, so far I believe that there will not be like a sudden jump that I need to, scare about, scare, uh, I need to be scared about myself in the future. Um, but maybe, you know, Something will happen. Totally. Um, totally. No, how, do, I mean, how do you feel about that? Uh, do you fear yourself in the in the future? Well, I, I think That's, I think I don't have as much of a leaner path uh, in the sense that my personality is much more uh, ups and downs uh, type mm -hmm. of approach. And so uh, I do think like it, it could go sideways. I could get complacent. I could get very comfortable. That's one version of me that I wouldn't accept. Ah, okay. Uh, and so what version of yourself do you do you not want to go into? Or what do you not want to be known for? Okay, now, now we're getting somewhere, you know. Is it, I, I, I took the word fear as like, you know, I'm, I'm scared about some, of something. Like, I'm scared of myself. Why would mm -hmm. I be scared about, of myself? But yeah, of course, there are versions of me that I don't want to become. 
And um, yeah, I think like, okay, I'm, uh, I would say I'm the, the, the version of myself that I don't want to become is when I win big in like my professional life with startups and like I'm, I'm insanely rich, you know, I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars and I no longer can be, you know, I, 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 no, longer, I no longer can serve, serve people. I'm like too, too much, you know, in this like top 1% world that I was trying to, you know, disrupt. And like I, I was trying to, to open to people. And suddenly yeah, I start like gatekeeping stuff and I want my children to be on the pri- in private schools and I can only hang out with other rich kids. And I only want to reach out with other rich people to an extent you know, this trend is like happening somewhere and like getting more into like VC and like, you know, startup world. Mm -hmm. I can totally feel that my social circles are different. Right now, it's still acceptable because for example, you are in my social circle and you're not like an evil billionaire yet. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Yet? Yet. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, definitely, you know, this this is something that is like, you know, possible to happen in the future and I would hate that. Elitism. Elitism. Elitism, yeah, yeah. I Good. hate elitism, and unfortunately, this is something possible in the future. But you're building Masri also to fight that, to fight elitism yeah, yeah, just exactly. by giving rights. You're building yes. a fairer future which fights directly that. Exactly. So please don't lose that. Um, yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> and, and if you do, and if you do, you'll always have this clip that you're gonna be able to watch back and cry <laughs> in front of, and think, "What have I become?" Sad. It's gonna be you know, crying in the Ferrari. Right. Uh, no, no. All right. No uh, paradox. Last two questions. Yes. Why would you fail at this? Oh, uh, you know, it's like this. I don't know how. I didn't. I never got got there, and maybe I will never get there. You know, maybe this is something maybe I didn't go right. Yeah, maybe like tomorrow I'm gonna get complacent and not gonna work anymore, uh, and I'm never gonna reach this level. Um, yeah, I, I I have never studied. You know suddenly rich people patterns. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what about why would you fail at Masary? Whew, there's many ways. <laughs> Give me the most likely one. Most likely one for me failing with Masary or with Masary like just going to zero, like being non- Masary not going to zero, yeah. Um, there is a whole range of problems. Uh, I'm going to stick to... Uh, you know, I'm going to stick to the problem where Web3 credentials are actually, you know, uh, where, where, when, where Web3 credentials are not a superior pattern for representing yourself digitally. If this becomes true, and like, for example, there are these privacy reasons, or like we never solved the wallet UX, and, you know, the, the user base of like Web3 tools doesn't grow, then yeah, Mazuru is like a worthless idea, essentially. And I need to like find. I would pr- I would probably like to still like build in the same like world or like you know for with the same reasons. But it just like it turns out that this technology or like this this new idea doesn't work. And I right now I'm betting like the whole startup on it. And you know that this is why startups can like produce these exceptional approaches because they are opinionated and like you are betting on some uh, some form of um, exponential growth. Um, but yeah, if this doesn't happen, you know, Mazur face as well. Got it. Um, last question. What's something, uh, that you need to get off your chest and express to the world? 
Oh, uh, I need to get off my chest. Oh, do, you, do, you, do you have some suggestions? Do I have some suggestions? Well, it can be about anything that we've discussed, anything that you need to mention, any sort of future message to yourself. Uh, something, I see. Uh, I a, see. if this goes wrong, I tried my best. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Okay, so just like one message from me right now to future myself from this pod. Um, always believe in the best outcome. And uh, I believe that right now, or like I, I think that right now and like me in the past and like people, especially from Eastern Europe, are very often like to pessimistic about the future and you know maybe i'm projecting for the whole civilization but right now but it also seems like people in general are tending into like outrage and uh hopelessness and you know pessimism and yeah i just like i would like all of us to be more optimistic and like more bold and more excited about um you know continuing what is the purpose of human race as we discussed which is like you know uh extending science extending the technological progress and expanding so a follow-up question yeah. why do you think we need to be more optimistic i understand that you don't like the negativity do you think it's going to lead us to a better outcome if we are more yeah. positive yeah o optimism leads to better outcomes especially i think in my learnings in my experience whenever like i was very optimistic and like you know i strived for something um it produced just higher chances like you know that something works out and i was like oh it's not gonna work i'm gonna stay you know silent uh and we kind of talked about you know if you starting the podcast right uh yeah. so so yeah it's again the same vibe um, yeah you need to be optimistic you need to strive you need to shoot shoot for the stars and uh it's gonna you only can reach the stars if you shoot for the stars I like that. I like that. And maybe in the future, uh, you're able to issue a Web3 credential to really optimistic people <laughs> so that really optimistic people, uh, that, you know, maybe make better founders. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering I mean, what's, uh, how, how can we build it like right now? How can we like, you know, issue on-chain signal that somebody is very optimistic? That's a question for you, man. Uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's one of the many questions for you, uh, but... Um, Man, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was uh, fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, fantastic. Thank you, man. I appreciate Chaotica it. Episode 10 just came to life. <laughs>